You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Okay, so in layman's terms, what is victimology? Victimology. So when I explain it, I a lot of times refer it to criminology because when we think about a murder or a crime, we think about a lot of times the perpetrator, their offender, and what we focus on them and their life and what's going on you know, who, who, how did they become this person or what, what, you know, what happened in their life. And victimology is where we focus on the victim instead. Okay. We look to the victim to see, and I'm thinking because victimology is more about, we look at statistics, we look at, you know, socioeconomic, we look at, um, what has happened in their life, what led up to where they were. And it's never a victim's fault, but there are things that we can, you know, study and look at in victimology that will really help us to put things in place that can help other people maybe not be a victim. So in short, you look at not why the perpetrator does what he does, but what put the victims in their path to begin with. Yes, and sometimes there's no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah, but it does help to look at certain certain things in into the victim. Plus, we have to remember it's not just the victim themselves; it's their siblings, their family, their friends, everyone that is associated with them can, is a victim. Um, we've had siblings that worry about the perpetrator coming back to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of dynamics there and there needs to be supports in place with advocates and counselors and things that need to be done to really support them so they can become a proper member of society. And, you know, and later on, if they have some PTSD or some things going on and this really helps them to be able to live their life. So what do you take into consideration when determining victimology? Um, sorry, thinking about that. <laughs> um, Stumped you. Yeah. Um, so when, when you think about victimology and things you look at, you want to look at the area. That's usually a big... The area the victim lives in, the area the victim was at, were they alone at night? Were they, uh, you know driving in their car somewhere on a dirt road, (laughs) you know, in the middle of the night, are they in, um, you know, and it can happen in any area. And this is, I think, a misconception that people think it's, it only happens in lower socioeconomic areas Mm -hmm. and that's where the crime happens. And that's just not true. Yeah. It can happen in any socioeconomic area. I can't talk. (laughs) And And it can, so that's one thing you definitely want to look at is where, 
did that happen? Was there, was it nighttime? Was there a lot of people out? Were they um, looking around their surroundings? Because yeah. that is a big thing. You always Being have to look vigilant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it does make a difference. The more aware you are and the more people know that you are paying attention, the less likely they are to, um, you know, approach you. Yeah. Not always, but most of the time. And we look at things in their past. Like who were, do they know this person? Is there a tie to this person? Is this someone that knew their family? Is this someone they dated? Is this, so these are all things you look at so you can then statistics. I know that sounds really, but statistics are a big part of criminology and victimology. So we are here today to talk about the ether man. And I was just wondering because this person went into women's homes, just went up in there. Yes. And so what makes that, is that a rare thing that you see in victimology? Is like, what makes him different than how he, I mean, how do they choose? Like, it seems so bold. He was, he was pretty bold. <laughs> um, a lot of times they will go into people's houses and it reminds me of, in Wichita, you know, BTK killer. Yeah. Because he went into people's homes. He was very brazen and did not mind, you know, who he confronted. That's just so crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a control. It's a, it's a power. Well, because because when we're talking about victimology, we're t- and you're tell you're you're literally talking about like, well, where were you? Were you alone at night? Were you the and these women are in their homes. Mm-hmm. What would you do to avoid that? <laughs> well, number one, keep your doors and windows right, right, locked. Right, because, Lock your freaking door. Yeah, because a lot of times they get in through your open windows. Oh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a big, big advocate of alarms. Um, cameras are great. Cameras don't stop them, I've right. noticed. But they yeah. are good so you have a picture of who it is later. Right. But an alarm is one of your alar- uh, alarm that is monitored. And we'll go off and call the police is one of, you know, is a huge advocate on your side. Yeah. Um, watch your surroundings when you're out because he watched all of these women. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was about to say. I mean, he would have to obviously have seen these girls out and about mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, but, and, and another thing I was thinking about, so I know that there are male victims, mm-hmm. but are females predominantly the ones we see as victims? Females are predominantly the ones we see because a lot of times, especially with rapists or serial killers, um, it's about power and control. And they feel that a female is a lot easier to take power over and control over. And with a male, it's kind of almost a crapshoot. They don't really know for sure if they're going to be able to do that. So they know with women, they can overpower them. And, you know... You say with sexual violence, you know, that is definitely a power control. But sometimes it doesn't even have to be about sexual. Um, A lot of times it's just the power over that person. That is their sexual. um, That's how they. That's their gratification. That is. um, They don't even have to, you know, um, you know, sexually 
violate them a yeah. lot of times. So, but watch their surroundings when you're out because yeah. they they're usually watching you, so Take they your know your seats. comings and goings. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's happened. People have been at gas stations and they've left their door unlocked, mm-hmm. and someone's crawled in their back, you know, their floorboard. So we hear a lot of times people say the victim was living a high risk lifestyle. So what's the difference in a high risk lifestyle and a low risk lifestyle? A high risk lifestyle is some, you know, a lot of times someone that is a drifter that is not in any one area at any particular time. So they don't really know the area they're drifting into. They don't know, you know, the parts of town to be in. They don't know they're, they engage with a lot of strangers and things like that. Um, going out by yourself at night, mm-hmm. um, in two areas, you know, that you know are predominantly, um, can be a danger and just, you know, going out and just meeting people, getting, not taking precaution. If you meet someone on the internet, that can be a little bit higher risk. And can I throw routine? um, Let me throw routine into the mix. Like I am one of those people that goes running and at a park around my neighborhood and like being seen at the same time every day, Like, someone can see you run by their house at the same time every day and then, you know, watch your house and see that you come home to an empty home. No one's there. Like, your husband's gone during the day and doesn't get home till 5 o'clock kind of thing, you know? That would be a little bit high risk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to say, I mean, you wouldn't think so. But, you know, and this is the thing. I, you know, I talk about lower risk being, you know, just... Being home all the time, like yeah. me, just well, keeping yourself. Also, in that's house. that's one of those things. Just like having those stickers on your car, like okay, we exactly. see that you have two children. Exactly. We see that one's in basketball; yeah. they're gone all the time. You know, your little girls in dance, so yep. you're taking these kids places all the time. Mm-hmm. When you get home, your hands might be full and loading a bunch of crap. You're distracted. Exactly. You know that sort of thing. Like, 100%. it's the same. Yeah, like don't don't do the same thing all the freaking time. And and there are also. I'm guessing high risk um, occupations yes. like bartenders mm-hmm. and servers. And uh, it drives me crazy when I see my friends on Facebook that are bartenders or servers and they're literally telling people, come see me. I'm here till 2 a.m. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, stop telling people that. I know that like that's how you make your money mm-hmm. is getting people into the bar, but at least leave your off time out of it you know like yeah. well, I mean that drives me crazy when people are on vacation posting photos yes. like that day like in in real time I'm like do not fucking yeah. do that yes. your house your house is there like I don't know unless you want to say something like I have a house sitter everything's fine <laughs> like uh they will eat you alive <laughs> yeah, that's not a good not a good idea I used to get onto my mom so hard about that I'm like lady you weren't just come back in a week and upload all this mother of God. So, I mean, obviously we're not, we're not victim blaming here. You know, if you, if you are a bartender and, and you know, um, but how much more likely are you to become a victim if you live a high risk lifestyle versus a low risk lifestyle? It's, I would say it's about 80%. Holy cow. It's, it's very high. And because if you, and, and this is the biggest thing that I tell my students is don't tell people where you are. Don't let, yeah. don't advertise your life on social media. 
have things in place that you know, like I'm not going to go to Walmart by myself at three o'clock in the morning and park at the very end of the parking lot and walk without my phone. And right, you know, right. it's certain things and that that really, if we just think about them, they will lower our risk. And you know, don't be on a sorority, you know, sorority at a college in the middle of the night by a sorority house walking on campus with no one around or, you know, or even on the campus period, just don't do it, you know, without people and watch your, watch your surroundings, get your, you know, don't be more mindful. Yeah. And those really significantly lower our risk of, um, you know, being, being a victim. And I've had it happen to me. I've, made those decision made the decision not to you know and I put myself at about an 80 yeah. I mean it was about, well actually I put myself at 100 yeah, I mean, percent yeah but you know <laughs> I could have just by making two different decisions I could have lowered my risk about 80 percent yeah honestly so are there differences that you see between victims of like let's say domestic abuse and sexual abuse and victims of say like attempted murder or like serial killers, serial rapists, stuff like that. That's a good question. There is a, there's, there's a big difference. Uh, You know, domestic violence is, you know, between, it's usually between a partners or family members and, you know, friends. And there is, there's a bond there. There's a relationship there. It is not, they're it's usually in the moment in the heat of the moment you know they're they just go into a rage um there can be first you know first degree um there but a lot of times it's just at that one particular person they're just not they're not a danger to the whole of society at that moment um with a serial killer or someone that picks their victims randomly Mm -hmm. they they will look for anyone that fits kind of their thought in their mind of who they need to victimize. Right. So it is a it is a lot higher danger to the society as a whole. Um, because you don't know. A lot of times they're very, most of the time, they're very charismatic. Mm-hmm. They can mold in with the crowd, and you really don't know. Whereas a domestic is an isolated incident um, normally, and it's, you know, just at specific people within their family or friends and so it is a different dynamic but you know I was a friend of mine who's a police officer he's told me that the most police officers get killed in domestic domestic violence um they always have to have a backup when they go to a a scene I mean well now that you mention it that that checks out because I mean that's probably that blind rage mm-hmm. that you're talking about. And the serial killer, they're a lot more... <laughs> I've been expecting you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. They're a... For 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're a lot more calculated and know exactly what they're doing. They get in and get out because they don't want to be caught when right. you're in a domestic situation. They're just mad. Yeah, and they're not really thinking about mm-hmm. getting caught or anything like that no. at the time. They're yeah. just in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. So, okay... What does a victimologist do with all of this information? Well, what we do is we take all this information and we look at crimes. Just, I look at a variety of crimes. I go through anything to a narcissist that is victimizing a spouse um, or a family member to a serial killer, um, rapist. I look at all over the world. I've looked at um 
Canada cases, I've looked, you know, United States cases, and you take these different things that you find out and you really try to draw in, and I, I say a pattern, but you really do want to look at what areas you're seeing, a, you know, you're seeing this pattern happen and what ages and what... Um, what is it that the victim, you know, like we said, are they out late at night? They're working at a bar and they go out into a parking lot by themselves at night, you know, really late. And what, what is that we're seeing? So we can help the police force and we can help the, um, you know, advocates really know what to look for and really know how to help victims because, and what services to put in place more right like in what areas do we need more police presence what areas do we you know where could we look with serial killers in certain thing certain areas that could be connected Mm -hmm. and that's really a victim's life can tell you a lot a lot of times about kind of who is preying on them yeah do you ever see i i this is a legitimate question <laughs> no <laughs> do you ever see if like culture or religion or anything like that does that ever play a part in victimology or is it just like where they are where they go what they do no there is a religion any part of their life can play a role you look at some of the shootings that have happened, the nightclub shooting, and, you know, there are religious reasons that people will go, you know, go into a venue and start shooting. Um, so all of those play a role. Every facet of someone's life, really. Who would be preying on them again? Because if they're, you know, if their religion, you know, they're in a certain religion and there you have someone that does not like that you know religion Mm -hmm. which we've seen it in shootings before you know or the lbg you know t community where someone's gone into a club um those make a difference and it it makes a difference in the fact that we we can as a victimologist can look at those and say okay you know what we really need more supports in this area there's not enough advocates in this area there's not enough counselors that really have the training to know how to help in this area with this because everyone in that you meet religious or you know you know whether it's socioeconomic again or their culture that they live in their their areas they live in within a city even their town can just those kind of things can make a difference on how people react to things and so I think it's a good idea to find and train counselors and advocates to really know how to look at those areas and those religious um, beliefs um, and be comfortable with them. Victimology can help people in so many ways and just really be aware. Awareness is, yeah. I think, the biggest thing of victimology. Awareness. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, if I would have had it when I was at the age that we're going to talk about as far as you know our subject of the podcast, yeah. I would have done some things differently that night. What can we do? To prevent ourselves from being this type of victim, I guess, is the big question. There, you know, there are a lot of things we can do. Like I said before, it's it can happen anywhere. So don't think just because, you know, I've talked about area that, you know, because it's happened. I've seen cases where someone walked in in Overland Park, Kansas, which is, I lived there during high school and the crime rate was 2% at that time. 
and a girl that did just what I did exact I exact went into a store just like I did after work I actually worked across the street from where this happened and a couple years later she did exact same thing someone followed her in followed her out um she parked in the parking lot kind of towards you know back and and just was not didn't even look around low light yeah and he he kidnapped her and um, raped her and killed her and took her across state lines so you know so it can happen anywhere and that was in two percent you know crime areas so please no matter where you are and that's why i try to really hit on this no matter where you are it doesn't matter if you're in calabasas california or you're you know just please watch out for your surroundings and don't park if you see a van or a big truck precluding your car when you go out to out after you go into a shopping do not please do not go to your car mm-hmm. if someone follows you in a store do not leave the store that is one of the biggest things and i've seen that a lot recently mm-hmm. in fact with someone i know left the store do not leave the store mm-hmm. go and get security um you know have them call have them call the police do not leave the store um if you ever feel like you're in danger have someone escort you yeah out don't ever walk out by yourself um at nighttime do not park at the end of a parking lot because you want to save your car. I know I'm a door ding person. <laughs> I do not like them. But I'm telling you, if it's up to that and saving your life, save your life. Yeah. Do not do that because you don't want a door ding because you do not know who's watching you. Yeah. You cannot be aware of everyone in that parking lot. I promise you, there's one of you and there's how many cars in a parking lot. Those eyes can be on you before you even are able to scan the parking lot yeah um you know when you're going somewhere take your phone with you try to always remember your phone social media is a double-edged sword it really is and most people think it's completely bad but i tell my students no it's actually can be at your um be in your favor um it really can um a lot of times you know social media is what helps catch you know predators and offenders and and so we can use it to our advantage um, it is a double-edged sword because it does can do a lot of harm, but we can use that to protect ourselves with our cell phones and um, different forms of media where we can get a hold of people. Um, make sure that you, you know, take, if you're, you know, if you don't have, you're younger and, you know, take pepper spray. Take pepper spray with you. I got pepper spray. Yeah, yeah, get pepper spray. I, my, I, Give it to, you know, my daughter has it and take it, take Mm -hmm. it with you, always carry it, you know, and use it because, you know, don't be afraid. Don't just have it and just throw it, you know, and check the dates and get new ones because they do expire. I probably should do that. Yeah, (laughs) they do expire (laughs) and they won't be as powerful anymore, but please use that. Um, There's also, which, you know, you had talked about before, um, the Noonlight app. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell a little bit about that. Um, so the Noonlight app, it's literally just an app you can install on your phone. Uh, you open it up, you hit a hit, you hit the button, and it just opens straight up to this like um, it's an alarm. It's just a big circle on your screen. It says hold the button until you feel safe. You literally put your finger or your thumb, whatever it is, on that button and hold it there until you feel like you're in a safe area and then you can let go. When you let go, it gives you like, what is it, like 30 seconds, I think, um, to enter a um, pin code. 
and to deactivate it. If you don't, if you let go, it's going to assume that you've been kidnapped because it will immediately ping your, um, I believe they have their own uh, operators that will call 911 in your area and inform them that this, like your thing has gone off and they need to do a welfare check or whatever. They'll tell you, tell them where your GPS is located. Um, and, and that one's super simple to use. There's another one that I just started using with the girl who's staying with me. Um, it's called sister. It's just simply sister. And this one is like a friend to friend companion kind of thing. Uh, you add your friends on this sister app by their phone number. And then if they say get off work because she gets off work very late, very late at night. And, um, she can open this sister app app and hit the button. It's just a little red button at the bottom and it will ping the people that you have friend friended on there. And it'll say, Hey, she is walking right now and she feels unsafe and it will bring up her location and you don't have to touch it again. You just hit the button and whoever you have in there, it'll ping and it'll say they feel unsafe. And you, you on the other end, open up your app and it'll show you on a map, GPS locate her and show you exactly where she is. So that if she doesn't turn it off within a certain amount of time, if she's not moving for a certain amount of time, it will send you an alert and you can either call 911 for her um, or it will do that as well after like an, an, an amount of time. So those two are really great apps to use. Oh, that's wonderful. There's those kind of things. They really do help and they really use the buddy system. Please, you know, always remember, especially if you're in, co- if you're in college or, mm-hmm. you know, use the buddy system. Don't leave a party by yourself walking at night. Don't let anyone walk you <laughs> that you don't yeah. know yes. please please don't do that exactly ever. yes um because that can be very dangerous and yeah. you know your defenses can be down at night um when you are walking in the dark i know people think they know where they're going but a lot of times you know you're so busy trying to figure out where you're going at night that you're not really paying attention and to you your surroundings easily disoriented at yes. night um and and to what you said Um, When you get off work, if you work alone at night or your bartender or even if you're a paramedic, have somebody walk you to your car. Yes. Because you never know who's going to be there waiting for you. Yes. You just don't. And don't ever think it it won't happen to you because hopefully it will never happen to you, but it can. But you also never know. You don't. You never know if... if you're just in the right spot at the right time, but also you never know if something that you've done vigilantly has saved your life. Yes. You don't know that you're still here. <laughs> so, yes. I mean, you never know. So you don't. And I never thought I would be approached. Yeah. Never thought that would ever happen to me. And, yeah. you know, in still some ways now I'm a lot older, <laughs> but I, you know, I still think about that and think, goodness I never thought that would happen to me you know and I never told my parents about that till I was an adult either yeah just because I was almost embarrassed of it I think yeah like how could I be so dumb yeah but but then again I mean you're young and Mm -hmm. and I mean this is what we're here for to tell you young youngins out there or even you know 
older people yes. who just aren't aware of these things, how these things work and try to keep you safe and vigilant. Yes. And don't be, a, and don't be embarrassed. Don't take yeah. what I did and be embarrassed because you saying something could actually help save someone else's yeah, life for sure. So, you know, it, like I said, use social media to your advantage and tell someone. Everybody walking around with their heads down in their phones or both yes. AirPods in over and over and over. I can't get, yes. I cannot tell you mm-hmm. enough. Those things work without both of them in your head. You do not mm-hmm. need to walk around without being able to hear, see, you know, that phone's gonna, it'll wait. Like everything yeah. you're doing can wait. Just pay attention to your surroundings. But another thing is people in bars this whole hookup culture that we've got going on. But yeah. the people who are the people who are like like Raven, our mom's age, scares the bejesus out of me. Cause like what if what if they're like widowed? What if they're getting divorced and they're going back out into a completely different world mm-hmm. than it is when they got married or than it was when Absolutely. they got married? Like we know the dangers because we've been living in a pretty dangerous world. They did too, but on a totally different level. Now there's like yeah. internet predators. Now there's guys on the internet who you, you, you might think he looks like something. You might think he works at this place. You might think he's a great stand up guy and you're going out to meet him, you know, like it, but you don't really know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. and I don't care if you need to stage this in some way, Take your friend with you. Take a guy friend with you. Take a girlfriend with you. And they don't have to sit beside you. Like, sit them at a table somewhere else. Yeah. Have them sitting there being a freaking spy. Because I'll go. I promise you, I'll go. Yeah. I'll go. I'll sit in the freaking, like, over in the corner. Like, the scariest little friend you've ever had in your life. Like, who is he? I'm going to accidentally get this. his blood type. I'm going to swipe his DNA off that <laughs> beer bottle when we're done. Like, Check them out. <laughs> Check them out. Get on the court records. Yeah. Check them out. Yeah. Use social media to your advantage because we exactly. have those things now. Exactly. Like that. There's actually been someone recently who was meeting people on dating websites and come to find out he is a serial rapist. Oh, and my has goodness. a ton of charges on him right now. Oh, my goodness. In Missouri. Just so. be, just, you know it's it's a double-edged sword because you're like you know you can just go out and meet people the old-fashioned way where we got abducted from bars yes, yes. <laughs> where we I left know, our dreams just... unattended and got roofied exactly. i know so i mean you know just whatever you do just be really vigilant about it Get whatever you do yeah very well Thanks for taking the time to listen to this important episode. Catch more from Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?